During his case studies, he heard an individual say, no one understood why I should be grieving. He noticed that they too had similar experiences of those who lost an ex-spouse. A statement he reports hearing was, I had a significant loss, but no one understood it. Nobody was there for it. Another said, it was as if I didn't have a right to grieve. That's when he coined the word disenfranchised grief. That's an excerpt from the show. Today, we'll be discussing disenfranchised grief. And here's the intro. Welcome to Managing My Grief where it's all about learning to live with grief after experiencing loss. Here's your host, Miss Dilworth. I'm glad you chose to join me for this discussion on disenfranchised grief. Did you know that there are many types of grief? Death alone is challenging to grieve, but to add how others see you or treat you while grieving can add more to your shoulders. Keep in mind that the type of grief we'll be discussing isn't good or bad. It's a mere way for you to identify what you are experiencing. When you understand what you are experiencing, it can be used as a grounding place and it can bring normalcy to the experience, which in itself is gratifying and beneficial. Disenfranchised grief has two parts. The first is when someone experiences a loss and those around them minimize or don't acknowledge the impact of that loss. The second part is when someone experiences a loss regarding a decline in health and others around them don't understand or acknowledge that loss. Initially, disenfranchised grief may sound similar to anticipatory grief in that the grief one is experiencing is minimized, not acknowledged, or not understood. But there are key differences. Disenfranchised grief focuses on how the griever is socially received by others, while anticipatory grief focuses on the grief one experiences prior to someone's death. To hear more about anticipatory grief, click on the Types of Grief Anticipatory Grief podcast after listening to this one. In the 80s, Dr. Kenneth Doka did case studies on issues related to individuals who lost their ex-spouses. During his case studies, he heard an individual say, no one understood why I should be grieving. He then began doing research with individuals who were in didactic relationships without the benefit of marriage. For example, people who are living together, people who are engaged, people who were dating a long time, or people who were close to engagement. He noticed that they too had similar experiences of those who lost an ex-spouse. A statement he reports hearing was, I had a significant loss, but no one understood it. Nobody was there for it. Another said, it was as if I didn't have a right to grieve. That's when he coined the word disenfranchised grief. In an interview, he states that disenfranchised grief is having a loss and can't publicly mourn, openly acknowledge, or doesn't receive social support. Since then, he's written many books, including Grief is a Journey, Finding Your Path Through Loss where he discusses how grief isn't an illness to get over, but an individual and an ongoing journey. Another book is The Longest Loss, Alzheimer's Disease and Dementia. In this book, he focuses on the grief issues that dementia creates for patients, families, 
and professional caregivers during the course of the illness, as well as the grief reactions of families and other caregivers following the death. Dr. Doka has written over 30 publications where he was the sole author or co-author. Due to time, I won't list all of them, but I will share a couple more. For example, his first publication. Dr. Doka's first book was written in 1989, entitled Disenfranchised Grief, Recognizing Hidden Sorrow. Although it's currently out of print, its concepts were further reviewed and developed in his 2001 book, Disenfranchised Grief, New Directions, Challenges, and Strategies for Practice. To get the entire list of Dr. Doka's publications, go to drkendoka.com. He travels across the U.S. speaking and has several interesting YouTube interviews that I encourage you to go check out. I find it interesting how he breaks down disenfranchised grief into categories. There's no particular order. The first category is loss that isn't acknowledged, such as divorce, loss of a pet, loss of a job, religious conversion, or loss of a home. The second category is the relationship that isn't acknowledged. This occurs often because society doesn't deem the relationship as important, such as grieving someone you didn't really know well, loss of a coworker, a foster child who moves from home to home, or the foster family who separated from the foster child, loss of an ex-spouse, loss of someone who isn't blood related, or grieving someone you only knew online, also known as cyber loss. The third category is the griever isn't acknowledged. For example, someone very young and believed to not understand loss, or someone very old, or someone who has an intellectual disability and believed to be unable to comprehend or experience loss. The fourth category is in the way death occurs that's not openly acknowledged, which in many times is due to the stigmatization of the death, such as death by homicide, death by overdose, death by HIV or AIDS, death by suicide, abortion, or death of a family member in prison. The last category is the way people grieve. Many times, people are unfortunately not given support based on how they grieve. There are those who intellectually grieve, while others are seen as being overly emotional. Another example is when people grieve quote unquote too long, or someone shows too much emotion, or someone shows too little emotion. All of those are examples of when an individual may not receive social support. The second part of disenfranchised grief is when someone experiences a loss regarding a decline in health and others around them don't understand or acknowledge that loss, such as infertility, dementia, or loss of physical function. There are many more examples that can be listed. Take a moment to see if you identify with some things that I just shared. Or maybe you can think of some that aren't listed that you have experienced. I'd like to know. At the end of this podcast, I'll share how you can get in contact with me. So, what to do? It can be challenging to work through a life-changing experience while being surrounded by people who don't understand or minimize your experience. During these times, it's important to remind yourself that you are worthy of time and space to heal. That may mean setting healthy boundaries with certain people or 
even changing your circle of friends altogether. Having a healthy support system is crucial. And I encourage you to surround yourself with healthy people who will support you and love on you when needed. An additional resource of someone who's understanding is a mental health therapist or a spiritual leader. Learning about others' experiences of grief can remind you that you're not alone, which in itself can bring normality to your grieving process. Lastly, find healthy ways to express your grief, whether that's through art, exercise, studying, volunteering, or cleaning. To connect with me to share your thoughts or to provide suggestions for future shows, contact me at missdelworth.com. To learn more about grief, click on another show. To attend a grief workshop, go to managingmygrief.net. Have a productive day and live in your greatness.